Hi, you're listening to Girls Gone Wad with Joy and Claire. Hey guys, Joy here. This is Girls Gone Wild Podcast. This is episode 186. This episode is brought to you by 4athletics.com. That's F-O-U-R athletics.com. They have two new products. You know how much we love working with them. We love working with good people. We love working with products that we truly can stand behind. So this is 4athletics.com. The discount code is G-G-W. They have two new products to check out, okay? So they have a men's tank. Guys, get on the tank train. And they have this new fiber. It's called Tencel. It's made out of eucalyptus fibers. That's so fancy. We are hearing, because we aren't men, so we haven't tried the men's tanks, um, that they are the most soft and comfortable tank that they've ever worn. So we want you to try this out. This is the Tencel fabric. Amazing. Every time that we talk about their products, what do we always say? Say it right now. What do we always say? We say, it's the softest you've ever worn. And I'm not kidding. Every time I put on my my four athletics wear, um, the leggings or the tanks, um, anything that I have of theirs, the shorts, I'm like, oh, I just want to like, I want to sleep in it. It's so comfortable. Um, and then they also have a female sports bra. So if you want to try their sports bra, this is designed to be the most comfortable bra you've ever tried on. Test that out. Again, for athletics, F-O-U-R athletics.com. We know you guys have tons of products out there that you can choose. But guess what? If you're using our discount code and you're supporting the sponsors that support this podcast, you are giving a shout out to Joy and Claire. And we really appreciate that. We really, again, try to bring you products and we know we give you products that we can fully stand behind. For athletics.com, check out the tank, check out the sports bra. Here's the show. All right. So I really, first of all, thank you for doing this. I listened to your show on Barbell Shrugged a couple months ago, uh-huh. and I, I'd listened to you on the other podcast that you had done. Um, was it Drive to Perform before that, before they changed the name? Anyway, you had done a podcast with Feed the Machine or yes. Drive to yeah, Perform. Yeah, yeah. Feed the Machine. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I remember um, listening to all those shows that you'd done, and when I heard you on Barbell Shrugged, I was like, man, that guy sounds familiar, familiar, and... I was like, oh my gosh, it's Jason Phillips. Like, it's the same guy that did that other podcast. And so what really struck me is how different of an approach you take with nutrition and health and athletes and especially CrossFit athletes. And and I really want to start with, and I, this does, this probably sounds kind of like a mean question, but Claire and I have been talking recently. I've like, I feel like everyone is hanging a shingle out to be a nutrition coach and just saying they're a nutrition coach and that they know what they're doing. (laughs) And because this is really blowing up and paleo is kind of quote unquote on the way out, I, I I feel like macro counting and flexible dieting is, is the trend right now, but, um, people just, just hang on to something because the famous person on social media is doing it. And then people are calling themselves a nutrition coach. And I just feel like there are a dime a dozen these days. And so I want you to start with really explaining what you're doing too to create a program, a certification program that people will, I guess, be vetted to be a certified nutrition coach and what that means. 
Um, and just talk yeah. a little bit about what's going to be like where you see that going and what sets you apart. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. First of all, thank you guys for having me on because you guys are so great. Um, and I was just overwhelmed when you guys were like, hey, we want to have you on. Like, I thought that was super cool. And I'm still like massively appreciative for every opportunity to get in front of people that I can. So just want to send you guys a thank you really quickly. Secondly, oh, to answer the question, it's, you know, it, it's so funny because, you know, my my background, I started like in the physique industry. And I remember being in that industry, like every guy with a set of abs or every girl that got ready for a show, like she instantly turned around and was like, hey, I'm a nutrition coach now. And I would sell whatever diet they used for their show. Basically, you know, charge, I don't know, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it was and be like, yeah, I can help you. And, you know, for maybe five people, it worked great. And for the other 95 people that bought it, it didn't work. But of course, social media and the era that we're in, they only talk about the five people that it worked with. And then, you know, I kind of got to the CrossFit setting and I didn't really see a lot of people doing customized nutrition at all. As I got deeper into my CrossFit career, I recognized the need for it. And all I kept hearing was paleo, paleo, paleo. And I just knew that it wasn't the right solution. I knew there was a better solution. And, and that's really like when I started my research on like the hormones involved and the energy systems involved. And, you know, I had the, the nutrition background to be able to to kind of match it up with the information that I was getting in research. But I, I just quickly realized, I'm like, man, like some of these people have a job. Some of them sit at home. Some of them have an active job. Some have a sedentary job. Some have life stress. Some don't. You know, some of them are training twice a day. Some of them are training once a day. Some want body comp. Some want performance. And I just, I couldn't believe that there was no individual prescription or individual analysis out there. And that's what I set out to do. Obviously, I think that there's other people out there that claim to be doing it. But also what I quickly realized that it's not just the prescription. It's, it's the way it's prescribed. It's the way it's communicated. And it's the accountability and constant assessment that really makes the difference uh and I, I really believe that's where myself and my team have set ourselves apart so let's start too with something that i felt really and we'll get back to that but i really want to also acknowledge your history with an eating disorder and that was something else yes. that you and i talked offline about where um i feel like speaking to women and the you know obviously we love our community and we love this podcast because we're really focused on empowering women and educating women and giving them the right knowledge for empowering themselves for their own health journey. But I think what also gives you a special, I guess, connection to our community is that it's, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say it's rare, because I know I work in mental health. So I also see males struggling with eating disorders. But um, I, I just want you to talk and share that journey, if you don't mind and going into a little bit of where that yeah. came from. Yeah, I'm super open about it. Um, in, in fact, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's funny that you say it's uncommon, I would actually argue in the experience I have in the physique industry and even in the CrossFit nutrition space, several of the males that end up really dialing in their nutrition or really coming to research and understand and educate themselves on nutrition actually had some sort of body dysmorphia or eating disorder background. Now, I won't say it's like full-blown anorexia or bulimia, but um, there was some sort of background with a poor relationship with food. And so it's, uh, I think it's interesting to know what the statistics would be around that if we were to chart them. But you know, for myself, I mean, I was, uh, you know, in 2002, I was 18. I played golf, right? That was my thing. Anybody that knows anything about golfing back then, there was no emphasis on fitness and nutrition at all. You know, we ate hot dogs after nine holes. And, you know, my, my daily consumption of Taco Bell probably did not contribute very well to my physique at the time. But I didn't care. Like, I wanted to play 
golf on the PGA Tour. I was picked to do so. I was a top-ranked amateur. And then I got injured. And I'd never been in a gym in my life. Thought weights were too heavy. And, you know, we started doing this whole, like, rehab thing. And I was like, man, like, this is really cool. I kind of, I guess, obsessed is kind of the word. Um, I built an obsession around it. And at the same time, I got asked to model for Abercrombie and Fitch. And how old were you at this time? I was like 18, 19 years old. Yeah. And so every like 18, 19 year olds, like wet dream is like, oh, I'm going to be an Abercrombie model. Yeah. Talk about like, how did that, like, you know, on a girls I could have had at that time. Heck yeah. Goodness. How did that come to be, by the way? Like, how did you just, you know, what's so funny. So we were in a store. Yeah. uh, Tyson's Corner, Virginia. My mother and I shopping. It was like Black Friday. I came out of a fitting room with a pair of jeans on and, and I think I had already worn like an Abercrombie shirt there this woman like as we're checking out was like hey like have you ever considered modeling and I I kind of like laughed at her and I was like whatever I play golf like I'm not a model like I don't care and she's like oh well you know I'm I'm uh, an Abercrombie recruit and so she sent me she instantly gave me her card and I was like hey you should send me pictures you know I'd love to talk to you about you know because they're based out of New York at the time I don't know if they still are but she's like I'd love to come to you about talking or I'd love to talk to you about coming up to New York and doing some pictures she's like so make sure when you send me pictures though her parting words were uh make sure when you send me pictures that you send me ab shots you want to talk about like panic mode right like I went from being on cloud nine you know someone asked me to model for this brand and then it's like but you got to send pictures of abs as we all know Taco Bell and hot dogs are not the way to get abs um, unless they fit your macros back then I didn't even know what a macro <laughs> was. Um, so, you know, it was, uh, you know, I started asking everybody, I'm like, man, how do I get abs? And, uh, the person I ended up asking the most was my doctor. He was a family friend and he was really in like really good shape. And so he's like, man, it's all nutrition, like read men's health, men's fitness, muscle and fitness, like whatever you can get your hands on. And they've always got things on abs. And I remember like going to Barnes and Noble and like, looking at all the magazines and of course like it was like man they were talking directly to me like circles around these guys abs like this is how you get the six pack and so i'd read the article and it would be like don't eat this don't eat this don't eat this and you know before i knew it i had this long list of things i couldn't eat and i didn't really have a list of what i could eat and uh so i vividly remember uh, like uh, a meal for me at the time like i was on the whole eat every three hours thing like because like you know that's how your metabolism gets stimulated and all that crap they used to tell us i would have two rice cakes and that was supposed to last me for three hours and you were and five, I, you're five, nine and you weighed 118 pounds. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that's so that's just, but you had yeah. abs for this photo shoot. But I mean, first of all, you were, I just have to say side note, like, A, I can't believe you survived uh, Abercrombie and Fitch store in the perfume that um, comes out of that place. <laughs> and then second of all, you legit were one of those people that were discovered at a mall. Like, that's just, I've never, I don't think I've ever met anyone who was discovered at a mall. Um, but I, I just, <laughs> It's so, totally, I just love, it's like, I think every single person who like grew up in like the 80s and 90s, it's, it was the dream to like be discovered at a mall. Right. Really the dream. Yeah. Right? You like, were like, for ride. real. It like, and I, sometimes people would say that and be like, that's bullshit. They weren't discovered at a mall. And I'm like, no, actually that really does happen. So you, um, there's a part of me that's like, okay, so before you were just, you were doing golfing, you were going to go pro, you were not really paying attention to your diet. Was it legit like this whole pressure to be a model that just threw you over the edge? A million percent. That's crazy. And so, like, and so you know, I like, it's funny. I mean, I never really, I never really did therapy for it. Like, and as I've gotten older, I've recognized the awesome need to have have you know like therapists in your life especially like I have a million things going on so I I like to just speak to somebody right Mm -hmm. so a therapist I talked to one time actually had me recount the whole thing and so there was there was that and then there was like one specific moment right where I remember 
on a Friday night at a football game. I'd already graduated and I was, uh, you know, we were just hanging out and this, uh, one of my buddy's dads said to me, he was like, yeah, like, he's like, I can tell you've been working out. Like you're, you're really slimming out. You were, you were kind of chubby and like literally said that. And I'm like, wow. Like, and I could not, that stuck with me. And like, here I am 32 years old. I mean, 14 years ago, 13 years ago that I I could paint the picture of that setting. It's so vivid in my life. So traumatic. That's what we call. Yes. As a therapist, that's what we call traumatic. That's when you you're when you have a traumatic response to something is when the emotions are heightened. And you always remember that. So it's things that have the highest emotion around them, you'll remember and it'll stick with you until you process them. So I'm really glad I'm glad as a side I know that you were able to talk to a therapist about kind of going through that, even though at the time you didn't get official, quote unquote, official treatment. But that that man saying that to you, you were like, oh, I can remember it clear as day. Oh, it was so I mean, it it was life changing because I had never in my life. I was an athlete growing up. I mean, I played golf primarily. But growing up, I played soccer and, you know, I I never thought of myself as unfit. I was really good at soccer. Um, You know, I I represented the U.S. on a team in, in 2000. It just like I never thought of myself that way, and so I think that like this thing of I was hurt, I wasn't actively getting to play like I wanted to play in terms of golf. I was pursuing this ab thing. Like I think I was just in this downward spiral of my life where I just I didn't feel good enough for anything. And so then hearing that just tacked it on, and I'm like, well, sh- you know, if I didn't think that I was uh, if I didn't think I was overweight before, there's there's validation. I clearly you know need to work harder at this thing and like i mean i'm sure there's some people like listening to this and are like yeah i've had those gnarly feelings i mean remember i had a job at best buy and i was like driving in and like you know you're sitting in the car and like there's like little like skin folds roll over on your stomach and i like remember berating myself and i was like i'm so disgusted with myself for letting myself get here and you know thinking it was fat and i mean i can 100 percent correlate and i think this is probably why I, i'm as good at what I do as I am is because I, I not only like listen to what you're saying you're going through, like I can probably relate. Like I've probably been there. Well, I, what something that you said struck me that Claire and I have been talking about. And we had a couple guys on the show last year um, talking about male, just, just how the, how the perception that we have of males is that you guys can just handle it and you don't deal with the issues that we deal with as far as yeah. body image. And it's just so not true and body confidence oh, and not just, at all. It, it, but it comes, it, it presents itself itself in such different ways. So the fact that you can really pinpoint that time of that man saying that to you, we're all on the same playing field, but really I think the expectations are such that men can handle it. Men are supposed to be tough and they aren't supposed to show those emotions. And it's just, completely doing you guys a disservice oh 100 percent. i mean i i to this day i work with guys that are like yeah I, you know one of my goals is to take my shirt off at a competition and feel confident about what i do you know about what i look like and you know that's that hurts for me to hear because i think i i can really relate like i've been there i'd love to take my shirt off and you know do things and it's you know it's normally women that i think we expect to hear that from but being on the you know the practitioner side i can openly corroborate that it it happens just as equally in males so now at this point in your life again i just i know that eating disorders are so difficult i don't know necessarily if you can 100 percent overcome it and be completely healed of it so how do you keep it in check now you know, it's interesting. I, I, you're the first person that's ever said that to me as well. And I've always had this theory that you never truly overcome an eating disorder. I think you just learn to, to channel the thoughts around it a little bit better. You know, I think I, my way of overcoming it was becoming extremely educated and knowing everything. You know, I think, 
think that I, I continue to research. I mean, it's I'm right now, you know, you mentioned the certification thing and I'm sure we'll touch on that later, but yeah. I'm still like just neck deep in research on things. And it's like, I think that my education really in large part helps me. I think I'm, but I've also learned to be very intuitive with the signs for my body. And so if you ask any of my clients and, and one of the things that we work on, it's called biofeedback. And so clearly we work on data, you know, we do macros. I don't believe in intuitive eating. Um, but you know, I'm very adept at learning, okay, what does a hunger response mean? What does lack of sleep mean? What does, you know, energy, um, mood, sex drive, you know, all of these things I'm just always aware of. And, and probably to some degree, I would say maybe hyper aware of, but because of that, I think that's how I've always been able to channel it. And, and I think that to some degree, counseling others is a little bit cathartic, right? It, it actually helps me with, with my channel, like my thoughts uh, throughout the day as well. But, you know, it's it's funny, right? I mean, eating disorders are, are nervous system disorders. They're, you know, anorexia nervosa. It's not a, it, it is, it's 100% in your nervous system. And to say that we can rewire our brain, I think is mistaken. Mm -hmm. So I think that the the overall process and the solution just becomes, you know, learning to channel those things and, and learning to trust, right? I think that one of the things that I said on Barbell Shrugged that a lot of people really seem to resonate with was I talked about this time where, okay, you know, coming out of anorexia, like this woman at Gold's Gym, she noticed what I was doing. She lied to me about being a prep coach for a bodybuilder. I believed her and put my trust in her, right? That's the really short story of what happened, of how I overcame it. And so she was like, I want you to go home and I want you to eat 4,000 calories a day. And I was like, cool, dude. Like you, you made him look like that. I believe you. I went and bought a calorie counting book because back then they didn't have like my fitness pal. I went to Barnes and Noble. I got like an actual book. I wrote out like an actual meal plan. And I was like, going to eat this tomorrow. And I was stuffed as hell, but I ate it. Two, three weeks later, I remember looking in the mirror and I was like, man, I'm not fat. Like this whole calorie thing, it's actually, it's legit. Like it actually works. And then, you know, so I did that for like a long time. And, but I, I still was super fearful of like eating out because I had this connotation. Well, eating out equals bad because you can't track that. And so I remember like being in college and, you know, like all, all my college friends, they didn't know my, my eating disorder history and all this stuff. And I didn't want to openly talk about it because like we said, that's not manly. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, I gotta, I, I gotta eat with them sometimes. So there was no Chipotle in Tallahassee at the time, but there was a like Qdoba. And so we would go to Qdoba like all the time. And I remember being scared shitless going into there the first time, like, oh my God, this is going to make me fat. And I ate it anyway. And I remember like the whole night just being like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Went to sleep, woke up the next day, wasn't fat. I'm like, great. I can eat that. Like I instantly had trust. And so I think that like the biggest step in these, in, in people overcoming eating disorders is, is learning, learning through doing, because we could educate you all day. We could show you the text. We could show you other people's examples. Um, but until you learn to trust in yourself and you implement on yourself, you're never really going to have anything. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, just kind of tying up this topic, I, we could probably do 500 episodes on this, but excuse me i think the point too is to talk about it and i i hope that if there's people out there listening that are struggling with this might guess 100 percent because eating disorders live in restriction and um isolation so if there's if there's someone out there that you can talk to about this or reach out to a professional um please do because that is the first step of getting this out into the light and working on it and then also learning and doing and i think that's so so important what you just said I 100% agree. Yes. I, I mean, I, I think that's the, that, that truly is the solution. I mean, we, like you said, we could go on for hours about yeah. the topic. Yeah. 
So, so thank you for sharing that that portion of your life because I think that gives you absolutely. such also such compassion for um, and also knowledge of probably when people are reaching out for help um, with nutrition coaching that you can also recognize those limiting limiting or restrictive beliefs right off the bat and working with that. So that's you know I I just worry about people going out there getting on some nutrition plan where it's all about restriction. So I want to. Um, jump off of that as well, because I know you talked a lot about just now too, with jumping right into the 4,000 calorie diet of, um, and you also touched on this with the Barbell Shrugged interview, but can you talk a little bit about how this is really supposed to be a long-term journey and how I'll, I'll use me for an example. When I've started macro counting, I dropped weight really fast, but it just, yep. that my body was like, fuck you. And so it just kind of started gradually rebounding. And then I got really frustrated with kind of like a plat, I guess, plateau. Um, can you talk a little bit about the, how people should approach this with like a long-term effect as opposed to what happened, what happens when people take that drastic measure and your body responds so fast? Like, is that um, what you called met- metabolic flex or adaptation? Yeah. So, I mean, metabolic adaptation is really just living into like a, a low calorie state for a long period of time. Your body adapts to living there. So where, you know, normal caloric maintenance would actually cause like weight gain. Um, like that's, that's classical, like metabolic adaptation. Um, you know, in reference to like losing weight very rapidly, achieving your goals really rapidly, you know, one of the things that disgusts me the most online is seeing all of these like six week challenges, nine week challenges, 12 week challenges, you know, and I'm, I I very much recognize like the need for internet marketing. And I recognize like the tactics that people are putting into play. And and I've always said I wouldn't do that. And, you know, if you achieve something in 12 weeks, my question to you would be, can you using the tactics that you achieve that can you sustain that the rest of your life? And 99% of people are going to say no. And, and I promise you, if you do sustain those tactics, it's probably very unhealthy. You know, even now, right? Like if you look at the physique industry where the epitome, their goal is to look a certain way at a very specific time, you know, they've transitioned in the bodybuilding world from like 10 and 12 week preps to now you're seeing like 24, 30 week prep, mm. you know, with scheduled diet breaks, with scheduled maintenance weeks, you know, whatever it may be. Um, because we're recognizing just not only the physical effects, but the mental effects, um, that are taking place. So, uh, you know, to answer your question, you know, I, I don't think that anybody should jump in right away and be like, Oh, you know, the biggest loser, they lose like 20 pounds in the first week. So why didn't I lose 20 pounds? Um, you know, but at the same token, right. Social media has, social media has really bastardized my job Mm -hmm. and it's really, uh, to a degree made my job very difficult because I do get some people coming in and expecting to lose X number of pounds right away. And the reality is some people are going to, and some are not, you know, that's the, everyone has a different metabolism. Everyone has a different metabolic set point. Everyone has a different, you know, body fat set point. We all have different dietary histories. We all have different metabolic histories. We all train differently. We have different hormone profiles and that's the individualization that we're talking about. So to compare your results to someone else is very mistaken. Any coach that leads you down that path that that is just forces those results right away instead of discussing what's happening with you is very mistaken and really doesn't have your your long-term health um, at the forefront you know I, I would say most clients work with me for several months and years at a time because I don't want the quick fix I want to build something that seven years after me you're still implementing the tactics that I gave you very successfully and still enjoying your life and what's coming with it yeah so can you explain a little bit, because I, I still try to wrap my head around this concept and I get confused. So if someone is, let's say, um, I think the explanation was like some chick, let's just use a bodybuilder, for example, like when she drops, she's trying to do a cut or what have you, and her body adapts to that. But when she does it again, her body's like, we're not going there. 
um, like like as far as a deficit, whatever that may be. Why is that just the body kind of saying, I don't like where this was before? Like, I don't like that we did this cut. So it's harder for someone to cut the, the second time around. Is that how that works? It's usually because they were starved okay. too much the first time, right? Like, so, so I've always held this belief that you can starve the body one time. Okay. So there's these idiots in the physique industry that like you know they'll have 100 clients at one time and they give all 100 clients the same diet it's like 800 calories and if it's the first time ever dieting 800 calories will get you like ripped to shreds like you'll you'll hate life you'll feel hungry you'll feel moody you'll feel tired but you'll get ripped but your body remembers all the damage that happens. It remembers like the, you know, the down regulation of thyroid, the down regulation of hormones. And it remembers just the misery that came with it. And so then like, you know, maybe after that 800 calorie diet, you know, you, you quote unquote, like you go into your off season and, but you're so scared of food at this point, maybe you ate 1200 calories. So now you go back into 800 calories. Your body's like, I remember what that was like. Like you basically destroyed all of the normal processes in my body and, and I need to survive. If I go back to that place, I might die. So your body essentially enters survival mode and that's essentially metabolic adaptation. Okay. Uh, and so it holds on to body fat um, because if it gives it up, right, it doesn't have what it needs long term to survive, to insulate itself, to potentially feed off of. And, you know, if, if it allows thyroid to downregulate and allows like those metabolic hormones to downregulate, then normal functions cannot you know, can't happen. Okay, that makes sense. And is it the same, like when someone starts like, you know, this is I don't know when this episode is going to air, but it'll probably be beginning of 2017. So there's probably a lot of people who are trying to jump on the New Year's resolution train, and they work <laughs> out. And they're like, oh, I'm going to get in shape and all this crap. And then, you know, so the first time, let's say, honestly, the first time anyone has done anything physical, they start walking or running or CrossFit or what have you, Yeah, they're going to see results really quick. And that's probably kind of like the biggest loser mentality, right? Where if they have a far way to go, they're going to see results really, really fast. You're going to be PRing all the time. So that is kind of a mind fuck, I would say, where you think that you are constantly going up against that initial progress. And that's kind of where the, I had to, I mean, on, on a personal level, just had to get through of, oh, I'm not going to, like, th- I'm not starting from the same set point. So can you talk Correct. a little bit about that, too, of what people can do to really throw that out the window? <laughs> yeah, well, so so many people, it's just like, so you're basically talking about, like, okay, you've gone through the process, you did the starvation, you've lost your weight, you subsequently regained it because the the process you used to lose the weight was not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, it did affect your hormone profile. And so now you went back to, you know, even a calorie deficit, right? Like what we would define a, a typical calorie deficit and made you gain weight. So it's, uh, you kind of have to understand what you've done. And so, you know, when I work with clients and when my team works with clients, the first thing we do is we get on a phone call with them and we actually discuss in detail what their history is. And we kind of explain to them, Hey, listen, like in, in a situation like this is what you've done to yourself. This is what the long-term picture looks like. You probably shouldn't expect to lose weight right away because you're in a little bit of metabolic adaptation right now. And, and so we, we openly try to explain that and get their heads wrapped around it. I used to use the the phrase with clients like you've harmed your body so bad you've lost the right to lose fat and and that really hits home with a lot of people oh wow because you did this right like you are the one that actively only put 800 calories a day in your body you are the one that actively went out and trained three four hours a day and you're the one that just ignored all the symptoms that were piling up and and just kept pushing through it because yeah 
some asshole told you that was right. Yeah. And, you know, and I honestly, like, my heart goes out because so many people do what they're told and they're getting bad information. And that is when I get, like, I don't get mad very often in life. Like, I'm a pretty humble, like, low-key person. But that, like, really frustrates me. I hate seeing just such negative advice thrown at people um, when it's intentionally going to hurt them. Yeah. And so... Yeah, so then there's like this repair process, right? And so this there's this uh there's this debate out there and it's about like like the reverse dieting and um the speed at which you reverse diet. So let's just take somebody that is metabolically adapted, eating a thousand calories per day and you know, they want to lose weight. And they're not losing weight because they're only eating a thousand calories, over exercising. Um, you know, there's a study out there, it was it's a long time ago. Um, we're just now really using it in our practicality. Um, but it's called the Minnesota Starvation Study. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they they basically starved people, right? And in those severe starvation states, all metabolic markers were severely downregulated, just like what you would see in a metabolic adaptation case. Um, but they've proved that restoring, you know, maintenance, uh, caloric maintenance actually brought pretty much everything back to normal so we know that there is a way to to recreate quote-unquote normal for everybody so then it becomes all right well great let's just take somebody from a thousand calories to 2500 calories if that's caloric maintenance and um you know that restores that restores all normal function perhaps yes but what also is going to come with that is probably a considerable amount of weight gain right so somebody comes to me and they want to lose fat i'm like hey great let's restore caloric maintenance instantly jump to 2500 calories and they gain 15 20 pounds i mean that could not be the worst like that could be the worst thing i could ever do to somebody right and that's why i'm not a fan of it so so you know like lane norton um and and i follow lane a lot like he was one of my early influences in this industry so he was the first one that i heard about like the quote-unquote reverse diet phase from or heard coined reverse dieting um you know i think we've all in this industry used some degree of it but i'm a big fan of taking somebody in that metabolic adaptation and slowly working them out of that what I found in practicality is that you can minimize the amount of weight somebody gains. And, and in some cases, you can actually help them lose weight in the reverse dieting phase if they're not severely metabolically adapted. So I'll give you like two really good examples. I work with a woman out of Wyoming that came to me and she was not severely metabolically adapted, definitely not eating near enough, but we started upping her calories. We've upped her calories pretty much every week since we started working together. And I want to say it's been like eight months and, and the, I mean, the woman just is, she's dropped like 17 pounds. Um, she looks amazing. She's performing at her best. Like, it's awesome. And actually, she's in my mentorship now. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, I worked with a woman that for, I want to say it was close to 18 months, she just gained weight. And, you know, the end weight gain was like six, six to eight pounds. It wasn't a ton over 18 months. But for us to get to caloric maintenance, she had to gain a little bit of weight. All the I have all the respect in the world for her because she completely bought in, she understood the process, and she trusted me. And so 18 months later, we flipped the switch. You know, We were at maintenance. We started what I call active fat loss. And I can say successfully this year, she is well below her original baseline. And we're like six pounds away from her fully like targeted goal, um, which I could not be more proud of. And I heard recently someone describe this as like a, a rolling bowling ball going really fast and you have to like let it stop until you can roll it the other way that people have to really kind of get their mind around. You can't just all of a sudden sw- flip the switch and go where you want to go. Like you really have to respect your body in this aspect. And I think if there's anything I've learned over the past year and a half of macro counting is that you, we have to listen to our body. And that also, how would you say, this is my last question around this, because we want, I want to move on to, to more your story and your certification program. But um, sometimes when we talk about this, Claire and I kind of feel like hypocrites because people get 
kind of annoyed that we talk about diet and body image because we're kind of like the community that's not supposed to really be focusing on that. So we have had some criticisms where they're like, come on, can you guys stop talking about this? Like, we really just want you to be the girls that are like normal and not worrying about this. And I don't think we're worrying about it, but I think it's just like, it's out there and I want to address it. And I think, would you say too of like, we can find a middle ground here that we're not trying to be, you know, the ripped bodybuilders, but we're just trying to feel good and feel our best. And I think that is kind of where you're coming from too, correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm all about optimization, you know, and, and I'm all about really understanding yourself. And not every, you know, as human beings, we have, you know, it's, it's factual, right? There's body fat set point, there's metabolic set point. I mean, it's just, it exists. And not everybody is meant to be, you know, as a female, 18% body fat, um, right? Like like what we're starting to see abdominals. Yeah, can you, re- um, can you repeat that? Because I think everyone... <laughs> Everyone wants, and how do you um, also kind of coach like appropriate goals? Because some people are like, I really want to look like, you know, Brooke Ends. We say her all the time, but she's like, but like, that is just, some people won't have abs. Like, I can't stress enough that no one's going to have broad shoulders like me if you just go lift weights because I was born with crazy big shoulders. Like, people just have unrealistic goals and then they, point to a picture and before and after and it's just ridiculous so do you do you help people set realistic goals or kind of coach them through that well i think i think that like part of the coaching process and this is where this is where i'm just massive on what we do as coaches um because we communicate with our clients you know at a minimum like every 10 days on a phone call and actually we get to talk about this because i think it's not discussed enough i think that it was always like the elephant in the room I think that a client always has a an ideal that they see in their head for what they should look like or what they want to look like, and sometimes it's not reality. You know, oh my god! I think it, yes, I would. T- I hundred percent agree with that. Let's let's not like I, I hate calling out names, but I, I mean I I think it's a little bit appropriate, right? Like look at the physique of a Camille, and then look at the physique of a Brookens, mm-hmm. right? They're both phenomenal CrossFitters, but if Camille tried to be as ripped as Brooke Entz, she would lose a ton of performance, not to mention sacrificing her hormone profile amongst other things, right? It would, because her set point is just a little bit higher and that's completely okay. There's nothing negative, right? I mean, there's nothing negative about Camille looking the way she does, right? And that's not this, I think she's, I think she looks phenomenal and it's just, she doesn't have what eight pack abs like Brooke does. I don't have eight pack abs like Brooke does. Right, right. You know, it's just, you got to understand kind of the cards that you're dealt and understand also what your goals are. I think that people, um, people really don't understand cosmetics and performance are really at opposite ends of the continuum, you know, by Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more, more about that too? Because I know you, you touched on that, um, before of just how they are completely opposite and everyone wants both. Yeah, everyone wants both. And so that's actually why I've created the, the principle of nutritional periodization, but you know, by understanding and by definition, fat loss comes from a calorie deficit, right? Assuming all things are normal to create fat loss, we create a calorie deficit. Pretty simple. You know, by definition, performance comes from caloric maintenance or, or a slight caloric surplus. Pretty simple physiology. I mean, that's basic level stuff. The reality is you can't have a caloric deficit and caloric maintenance or surplus at the same time, right? You're, you're one or the other. And now that's not to say that there's not some overlap. Those people that first get into CrossFit, you know, their first nine months, they go through what's called a neurological adaptation phase. They could live in a huge calorie deficit, lose fat and make gains. Um, but that's because their brain is adapting. They're not physically adapting to the stimulus given to them. 
you know, conversely, some people, as they get closer to a competition, if all things have been really good in the offseason, you put them into a calorie deficit, they're no longer really running on, on fuel, but they're running a lot on hormone, meaning they have a great hormone profile, they have plenty of cortisol, their adrenals are not in any way taxed, they'll perform very well too. Uh, one of the things I said on Mind Muscle was, you know, if you're performing really well and your calories and you're in a calorie deficit, like you're absolutely running on hormone and you have a very finite amount of time that you're going to keep performing that well because when you hit the wall like you're going to hit it hard and there's no recovering quickly that's just factual so uh, that's more of so, just like a that's not sustainable that's not long term that's just your body ab- kind of being like not. going into you know crisis mode and then you have like some crazy injury happen yeah so you know i, I remember i won't say names but there's a guy i worked with he was on a, on a team that went to the games and took top five this year and i remember I asked him right when we started, I was like, hey, man, like, let me just kind of paint your picture for you. And you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. And I said, you know, you go through these phases where you train really well, everything feels amazing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you stop training so well, things feel terrible. And you have no idea why, like, you really didn't change anything. And he's like, holy shit, like, that's exactly how my life is. And, And literally, that was him, right? When he was training well, that was cortisol present. When he wasn't training well and he didn't have the motivation, that was his body basically out of cortisol trying to reproduce it. Now, he was a very resilient athlete, a great like sex hormone profile. And so he was able to rebuild that cortisol. And so he, you know, his waves of up and down, his, his down waves were no lower, nowhere near what perhaps mine would be, right? Like when I run out of cortisol, I'm screwed for like six months. That's a, that's a big thing is is understanding that and you know so again right i'll get clients that come to me right what this podcast is going to air end of january so maybe four weeks before the open i'll get uh oh my god i'll get clients that'll come to me it's nuts right i can't believe how close we are i know but i'll get clients that come to me right now and they're like hey i want to lose 10 pounds before the open holy shit dude like why didn't you reach out to me like last year in august right and i've always said like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna stop taking clients this time of year to like prove a point (laughs) of course i would like of course i wouldn't because i want to help people but like, I've always, like, threatened it. I'm like, one year, I'm going to just, I'm going to not work with people, like, prove to them. That, and, but then they'll end up in, like, the wrong hands. It'll really get ugly. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things where if Wait, you want fat move, loss, it they, has to happen. They want to lose 10 pounds. They want to lose 10 pounds because they feel like that's going to improve their performance. Is that the goal? Like, they want to get shredded? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people think like, you know, they think of the open and they think high volume gymnastics. They think like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Bar, like last year, bar muscle ups or, or high volume chest bars or handstand push ups and toes to bar, right? And they're like, oh, if I was lighter, it could be better. And sure, like, you know, relative body strength is massively important in gymnastics, but that's an off season fix. Um, so I talked about the concept of nutritional periodization. And I think I'm one of the first to bring that to the space. I look at it like you've got four phases. I look at it like you've got a competition phase where during competition phase, all that matters is fuel and recovery. You know, so using the best example I have, Travis Mayer at the CrossFit Games, 700 grams of carbs per day. Everyone's like, what did you guys eat at night? The truth is we had burgers and fries every night. We had to get calories in him. We needed fuel and we needed recovery, period, because his whole goal was perform. And he's the 10th fittest man in the world right now, you know, but then there's post-competition. Right. And so we know the, the toll that competition takes on the body. Um, and the post-competition phase is all about like hormone recovery and, and really like central nervous system recovery. So in theory, your training volume should come down using Travis as an example. Again, he's got a phenomenal coach and the guys at training think tank. He works with Max and, you know, Max knows Travis shut it down completely for like a month or two, which I love. And, you know, get your calories up, specifically your fats. Help, like let's rebuild that sex hormone profile. Coming out of that, you've got 
offseason. And this is what I call strength and skill acquisition phase. So this is where we need to look at you, the athlete, and figure out what you need to fix. If you need to be stronger, you probably need to live in a slight caloric surplus because that's just how you're, you know, that's classic like power lifter or, or Olympic lifter, right? They eat in a surplus to get stronger. Um, but chances are, if you need to get stronger, you're, you're probably not overweight either. If you need to get better at gymnastics or you need to get lighter, this is the time you can live in a deficit because you're not doing a ton of Metcon. You should not be doing a ton of central nervous system intensive work. So this is the time we can live in a slight deficit and still have the recovery we need to be successful the next season, right? So then we, so we have that off season strength and skill. Then from there, we transition into preseason. This is where whatever you're doing in the off season, we transition it to primarily carbohydrates being your fuel because we know the open is going to be very glycolytic. And so we're making that transition. We're either getting your calories up or we're just adjusting the macros. And then we get right back into competition where it's all, you know, fuel and recovery. And we go through that cycle every year. Ideally, in your competition phase, year after year, you should be eating a little more calories. You should be closer and closer to your body composition ideals. And so if you look at it like that on a year-to-year basis, every year we're making progress. And isn't that everyone's goal? To be a little bit better in the open? Yeah. And also just thinking long-term as opposed to this like, oh, in 30 days, I'm going to have this goal. Um, What else? Oh, you work with Sarah Sigmund's daughter, correct? I do. I do. So I, I don't want to like give away secrets or anything, but I know sure. you. <laughs> no, we, you know, I'm super. I'm I'm super open with everybody. Oh, that cool. I, like, I, I can put everything out there. Yeah, she's so awesome. So I, I know you had a discussion with her after the open, or sorry, yes. after the games, where you were like, yes. "Tell us a little bit about that of the the conversation you had with her, where you pretty much like looked at it and was like, "This is what happened with your nutrition." Yeah. So I watched her compete at the games this year, and so we did not work together in 2016, or, or I'm sorry, in yeah, going into the 2016 games right but i'm a huge fan like i saw sarah two years ago at ecc i remember just watching this girl come out and annihilate the field i don't know if anybody saw that year like when she competed but it wasn't close i mean she just destroyed it and i was like i remember going home to my gym in arizona and telling everyone there's this girl her name's sarah segment's daughter and she's gonna win the crossfit games and she ended up taking third and everyone's like holy shit who is this girl so I, I swore up and down like this last year. I'm like, you know, she's going to crush it. And I obviously knew nothing about her nutrition or training, but I'm like assuming she's on the linear progression she is, she should win. So I watched her compete at the games. The She was technically way better at everything, but she never had that second gear, right? Whereas in 2015, if she was behind in a workout, she found an, a way just to suffer and to push harder than everybody. And, and so, she, you know, getting to know her now, she calls that beast mode. And so in 2016, she didn't have beast mode. She couldn't get into a workout, flip that switch and go to the dark place. Her body was like, nope, just not going to do it. Um, and really her mind didn't do it either. And that was very much indicative to me that her adrenals were shot, her she had zero cortisol response. And so is that an example too, that, again, is that an example again, because I, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around how the, all this works. But uh-huh. is that an example too of like how at first her body was just kind of like running on whatever it could take. And then the second time around, it was like, uh, no. Well, there's, there's several reasons it could be, right? I mean, her nutrition and training could have been a little more appropriate in 2015. You know, I know she used a new coach for 2016. Maybe the training volume was a little too high. Sure. Um, that's, I, I don't know, right? I haven't looked at her training. I'm okay. just trying to give examples yeah. of, of what it potentially could be. But yeah, you know, potentially she could have been, you know, because she smashed regionals last year, right. right? Like, And so maybe she was under eating a little too much, used up a little too much of that cortisol in regionals and couldn't recover for the games. You know, that's very possible. You know, but let's say this, right? The fact that she ran on virtually no hormone and she got third in the world and, you know, a couple of things go here or there her way and she could have won the games. How impressive of an athlete is oh, she? And she's yeah. unreal. Yeah. She's yeah. unreal. 
Yeah. And and so, you know, when her and I had our first call, I said, Sarah, this is what I see. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. And she literally was like, holy shit, you're right. And like, how did you know that? And I was like, you know, it's just visual, right? I can see it. And so the beginning stages of her progress, and, and this is what every, everybody can relate to Sarah in this, because the beginning stages of her program with me were, I was like, I'm going to feed you more. And I really don't care what happens with your body composition. Mind you, she's as human as every single person out there, and she wants to be ripped, okay? Like, make no bones about it. She has the desire to be lean as well, because the other Icelandic blonde is very lean. So, you know, she's like, I want to be lean, and I'm like, listen, calories up, calories up, and and so you guys would be shocked to know how few carbohydrates she was eating when she came to me. I won't say numbers, but it uh-huh. was very low. Uh. Um, and, and so we're now about 60% higher. I can tell you that going into the Invitational, she was probably eight pounds heavier than she was at the CrossFit Games. But that being said, look at her performance at the Invitational, look at her in Dubai, and she smashed it. Um, she got food poisoning the night before Dubai. Oh, and no. And she still smashed the weekend. It tells me that we've done a good job of getting her hormone profile back up. So her like periodization, we're still technically an off season for her, right? We're still fixing the hormones. We're still in that strength skill acquisition phase. The open for her is really not remotely where she's going to peak. She'll peak a little closer to regionals, but this year we're really going to peak her at the games. So she'll be eating more all the way right until the open starts. Then we'll back off a little bit and we'll start switching her fuel primarily to carbohydrate. Now, the fact that she's in some nervous system recovery, some adrenal recovery, she's primarily on carbohydrate now anyway. So it's not a big shift. We'll start playing with the amounts a little closer. She'll be super dialed in for regionals and then come to games, she'll be she'll be on point. So, you know, that just goes to show though, like even the top level athletes are they're human. I mean, Travis came to me last year when we started working together right before the open. And I think that he was, you know, he was only eating like 250 grams of carbs. And I was like, dude, I, I can't believe like how little food you're actually eating. Obviously by the games, we got him up to, you know, 700 grams of carbs. Yeah. He was in a much better place. So we're going to tie up here because we're running out of time. So I want you to, we're, no let's, let's get back to talking also about like our audience and our listeners of, I, I think, especially with women, we have, or I guess women have the fear of like the fear of fat and the fear of eating more and yeah. kind of, I guess, too, with your history of how you worked through that. Um, I know it's really just, we've talked about just doing it, but what is some advice I guess you can give to women, especially if, and, and how you coach women to work through that fear? You know, it's like I said earlier, so much of it's just trust and, and, and actually putting the process into play and, and having somebody there for you that's monitoring everything. You know, I think that it's, it's a very scary process to undertake to especially those people that are metabolically adapted or, or those people that have been low carb to, to really like rebuild that insulin sensitivity. It's, it's super scary. And I recognize that. And, and my whole team recognizes that. And so one thing I found is just having somebody to text or to call and, and say, hey, listen, you know, this doesn't feel right or this feels this way. And, and allowing us to really read that feedback from your body and, and kind of inform you as to what's going on so that you understand it. A lot of times I find that if you understand what's happening, you're able to act upon it better rather than me saying, well, here's the prescription. Just trust me. That's blind faith. And nobody in the world has that in any walk of life. So I think that really creating that level of education understanding is is the true help. I agree with that. I also think too, of like something that helps me is I'm like, okay, one day is not going to I'm not going to gain 10 pounds in one day if I try this. Like it just, you know what? But a lot, a lot of people think that they will. Really? Like that's yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. So many people are so scared. And I mean, you know, the process, right? Yeah. Like you track your body weight every single day. If somebody gains one pound in a day, I mean, that's petrifying because then they, then they start multiplying out and they're like, well, what if I gain a pound every day for, uh, for the next month and I'm yeah. 30 pounds up? And it's like, 
you know, the mind can go to these crazy places. Surely, right, like from a, a rational perspective, I, I always joke with my clients around the holidays, right? Thanksgiving and Christmas. And right. They're like, well, how do I handle Thanksgiving? And I'm like, well, let me tell you this. In 12 years of doing this, nobody has ever come to me and said, hey, dude, I, I got fat last night. <laughs> you know, I had dinner last night and I woke up like 50 pounds heavier. Right. Like it's never happened. Not to say it can't, right? Like our world's a crazy place. But like I'm pretty sure one meal is not going to make or break your life. So with that being said, one day or one week of implementing this prescription, it's not going to make or break your life. I mean, if I'm correct, right, we, we live 52 weeks a year where, where most of us are going to live to at least like 80. I don't know. That's like 4,000 weeks or something like that. That's a lot of weeks, right? To, to give up one of those, that's a fraction of what you would be doing. So let's just give it a run. But even saying that, I don't like the way that sounds as much as, hey, text me every day. Let me know how you're feeling. Let's yeah. just really communicate. Let's make sure you feel good because comfort's a massive piece of this. It is. And it's just, it can just become such a restrictive and negative experience for people. So I love really reminding. And I, again, I don't want to be uh, a hypocrite here because we preach so much about just being healthy and not worrying about this stuff. Yeah. But, but I know there's so one, there's so many people out there that are doing this. So I constantly just want to have the conversation that, hey, you guys, be gentle with yourselves. And I know Claire hates when I say that, but just be just chill out and really kind of if you're struggling with it you need to talk about it as opposed to feeling sure. like having guilt or feeling bad if you eat something you're quote unquote not supposed to um and i just really want to to urge people to to reach out again like even if it's a friend or talking to a professional or if you find yourself thinking about food 24 7 i know people joke about that and we see posts about oh all food all the time and it's like yeah oh my gosh i don't know if yeah, i really no, subscribe that, to that a, either that's such a bad philosophy like yeah. you know we've heard we've all heard the quote right like you you eat to live you don't live to eat mm -hmm. and i think like macros and and the the whole like focus on on poor quality food fitting your macros and being acceptable has really like gone down some terrible rabbit holes you know i think that's uh it's allowed us to be like yeah i'm gonna wake up every day and i'm gonna eat a donut in my macros and it's mm -hmm. like what donut flavor did you eat today and what candy did you eat today and it's like man like that's nobody ever said that like 10 years ago when they like wanted to be healthy and i think that health needs to be at the forefront of all of this you know if, if i can help you look better great but if i can't help you look better and be healthy, then I'm not doing my job. Right. And so how do you practice what you preach? Because I know that you're you look so different now, obviously, from five nine hundred and eighteen pounds, you're like this big <laughs> buff guy. Like, how do you practice what you preach? And I'm sure people put pressure on you to be like, Oh, yeah, I mean, so with that eating disorder background, how do you, I don't know, just keep yourself healthy, mind, body and soul? Yeah, so you know, it's, uh, it's very interesting. I mean, I live in a a very weird position, one that I don't think I ever thought I was going to be in. Um, but I actually think that as I come to realize that I've got more influence and, and so much of this has come from just my interaction with guys like Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, some of the top people like Lewis Howes and just really like seeing how they handle the pressure because they're exponentially more well-known than I am. You know, I just like what I tell people is what I do. It's it's not a it's not a facade. It's not any different, you know, like and, and listen, I openly talk about the fact that, you know, my my shortcomings and, and I did a I did a series not long ago on Facebook. Facebook where I, I made a video and I said, Hey guys, like 
Uh, oh, for, I saw for that. A month, yeah, like for a month, I, I started traveling and I stopped tracking and I, I got back into old habits of just eating calorie dense foods at night to make up for what I didn't do during the day. And that's, it's a really negative feedback loop for me. And so I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this video. I'm going to hold myself accountable. I'm, I've got a reverse bet. You know, if I don't do it, I'm going to run a marathon and I'm going to donate 10 grand to charity. And those are really severe penalties for me. Um, now, I don't think anybody needs to set penalties on themselves. I kind of did that so that people would be interested. I think it was really fun. But, you know, it's also a very, you know, it holds me accountable. But, you know, what I what I tell people to do is exactly what I do. And so I think that practicing what I preach is very simple for me. I, I don't in any way disagree with what I would tell someone. And I would never tell someone to do something that I personally cannot do. And can you just give permission to people to like go enjoy their lives too and not freak out about food every single waking minute? Yeah, of the day? I mean, <laughs> you know, from somebody that's from somebody that allowed that to happen, I can just tell you the freedom that comes when you find that balance. And, yeah. you know, balance and balance and everything is so important you know work you know relationships food it, it always does come down to that balance but yeah i mean listen if anybody that's listening to this you know if you take nothing else if you feel trapped by the way you're eating then we really need to reevaluate and we really need to find something that's that's you know better for you and you know we talked so much about flexible dieting today you know, I, I don't have every single client that I work with on, on flexible dieting because for some of them that creates the trap. Um, you know, for, for some of them, they want something different. And, and some of them, we work on food pairings. Some of them, we simply work on, on habits. Some of them want a strict meal plan. And, you know, we have an RD on staff for that. But, you know, everything has to be individualized. And, you know, if you're a one trick pony and you only do things one way, then you're guilty of trapping people. And, and I don't want to be like that. So I, I think that, you know, if, if anybody else can, can take anything away from this just really understand that there is light at the end of the tunnel you just have to find it and you have to find the correct route there you know the the turns you're taking now may not be the right turns and we need to get you on the right course amen to that and i want to say to to the listeners that you are an individual you are not like anyone else and that is a gift and i want you to focus on your own health and wellness and not compare yourself to people and strangers on the internet okay so lastly i want to kind of yeah. make a joke this is this is really silly i was thinking yes. about this today when i heard you got you heard you on barbell shrugged I listened to it like five times, by the way, because I was like, I love Jason, um, is that uh, <laughs> I, I feel like obviously Rich Froning is a freak of nature. Can we all just agree yes. that like he he claims that <laughs> he claims that he claims that he doesn't ha follow any diet. He eats whatever the F he wants. Can we just all agree that like uh -huh. he's just he's just an a freak of nature, like in such a good way. So he is a freak of nature, but I would say this. And so I personally have never met Rich. Rich, if you somehow listen to this, I know I want to meet you so bad. Like you're like I'm total fanboy right now. Oh. Um, and so I like I'm a massive fan of Rich Froning. I think he, you know, I, I came into CrossFit in like two, you know, what I don't know mid 2000s but it was like uh rich running is the man yeah yeah he's king right and so but i would say this from the the people that have been around him and from what i've been told he's a little more informed than he likes to put out there mm -hmm. and so i think that i think rich is very acutely aware while he may not track and while he may not have diet He's acutely aware of the fact that he needs to be in a, at a minimum caloric maintenance. Mm -hmm. And I think that in his head, he knows what caloric maintenance feels like. Again, he's a freak. He doesn't have to track to establish that. I would say he's the 0.1%. Um, and probably the epitome but, of, of tapped into his own body. Would you say correct. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that if you look at his training protocols, it's very similar, right? Mm -hmm. He does some EMOVs. He does some AMRAPs, right? It just kind of, it works. So where can people find you, Jason? And tell, um, uh, I guess, too, about your Mission 6 Nutrition. 
Nutrition. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm fortunate enough to be the CEO of Mission 6 Nutrition as well. We're a new supplement company, and, and our products are built for CrossFitters. Obviously, we uh, you know we have athletes like Sarah Sigmund's daughter, Brent Fikowski, Travis Mayer, Alexis Johnson, Danny Horan, Castor Duffield, uh, the list goes on. Chandler Smith, sorry, I don't want to leave him out because he'll call me out on it. <laughs> uh, you know, we've got uh, uh, Carly Matthews. I know like she's just, she's just a phenomenal client. Nick Hecht, so there, I think I just got all of them. I love all of them. I think that they all epitomize what I believe to be true in the nutrition space and, and the way they carry themselves. But, you know, our products are designed for CrossFitters, just a protein, carbs, um, you know, pre-workout designed around aerobic capacity and um, some adrenal products as well. So that's Mission 6 Nutrition. You know, for, oh, and use code Jason if you want to save 10%. I'll throw hey, that out there. thank you. Um, so, you know, really though, to get to me and to get to my coaching staff, and, and I think that why most people listen to this podcast, um, check me out at jasonphillipsnutrition.com. It's two L's and Phillips. You know, we're, we're trying to make a better effort to blog more we, we've you know by the time this comes out we will have a lot more blogs posted you know we do offer the one-on-one coaching service i've got nine coaches that work for me maybe i might have a tenth by the time this comes out and you know like i said everything that i talk about it's all one-on-one and you've got unlimited access to us 24 7 text and email you know i think that's really the difference maker and i think that's what i pride myself on is anybody that has worked with me or that knows me knows that i will never shy to go the extra mile for my clients and you know it's uh the way I look at it is this, this industry saved my life. Um, I am forever living a journey to pay it forward. And uh, it's, it's very powerful to me. Thank you. And I can really feel that. I really, really feel that. And I know that you care so much about this this field um, and nutrition and, and your athletes. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yeah, this is, this is incredible. So listeners, you guys can check them out. And you're also pretty active on your Facebook page, too. You, like, you do a lot of videos over a lot of really cool videos on there, too. Yeah. Is that your yeah, person? So yeah, which page is that? that? Which yeah, uh, my personal. So cool. just Jason Phillips. I'm trying to use the Jason Phillips nutrition more, but uh, I don't, I'm not a fan of like these business pages. I like, know. I don't, feel like I'm a, I don't feel like I'm a business. I'm like, dude, it's just me. So yeah, um, yeah. And you know what? I mean, anyone that's out there, I mean, just reach out. Like, send an email. Say what's up. Like, yeah. I love hearing from people. And so you know, I did this on Barbell Shrug. Like, reach out, fill out the contact form. My assistant will set up a phone call for us. Like, that's what we do. I, I just I love it. It's great. And you take uh, from what I've heard you take red eye flights to um catch up and so you don't lose productivity so you're very much like oh, the, so the energizer so bunny <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i'm definitely i've never been accused of not working enough <laughs> Well, thank you again. So, and listeners, please uh, shoot us an email too if you guys have any questions uh, out there, girlsgonewad at gmail.com. You can shoot us a message and we can also put you in touch with Jason um, or just at all. We, we often get uh, emails every once in a blue moon for people looking for help with eating disorders and we are happy to put you in touch, especially um, everything's confidential and I, um, as a therapist, know how to follow protocol in terms of how to put you in touch um, in a very anonymous way. So please don't hesitate to reach us at girlsgonewad at gmail.com and then we're all over social media girlsgonewad as well as snapchat is ggw podcast jason do you do snapchat yet you know what i don't do snapchat (laughs) and gary would call me out on it however um it's not necessary story instagram story is where i'm trying to get all of my quote-unquote snaps so that's perfect on on instagram i'm actually jason phillips fitness super old uh account so awesome claire i feel like i haven't gotten to talk to you i feel like we need like a whole separate call or something i think we do well you know i joy i know you know had so many questions specifically going into this i was like i'll let joy drive i love really a lot what you had to say about you know like the the male body image thing and i think that's a great topic for you know maybe even a whole other episode but um because i think that's something 
you know, most of our listeners are, are women, but we do have some amazing male listeners. And I think it's always just valuable for us to be able to see the whole landscape. And yep. Sure. Anyway. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys.